did God get the stars to announce the birth of His Son? Dr. Ray Boland discusses some possibilities for this astronomical wonder, now on Probe. Star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. This familiar chorus from the Christmas carol, We Through Kings of Orion R, introduces us to what seems to be the only ubiquitous biblical symbol during the Christmas season. As you look over the Christmas cards in the stores or in your own burgeoning collection from family and friends, you will see one very constant element. Whether the scene depicts the nativity, a backyard nature scene, a Christmas tree, or just Santa making deliveries, if the nighttime sky is included, Somewhere in the picture is a star. The star dominates the nighttime sky with its size and its long tail pointing to the earth. At first, this may seem quite unusual for something which doesn't even get mentioned in Luke 2, the more familiar account of our Lord's birth. The star is featured only in Matthew's brief description of the visit by the Magi shortly after Jesus' birth. I think the prevalence of the star stems from its mysteriousness. Before we explore this puzzle, let us look at Matthew's account beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. A couple of things to note. First, these events take place after Jesus' birth. Second, this was in the days of Herod the king. Third, the Magi arrive from an area east of Jerusalem, probably in the vicinity of Babylon or Persia. Fourth, they already knew they were looking for the newborn king of the Jews, but the exact location eluded them. And fifth, it was viewing his star from their home in the east that led them on this journey. After consulting with King Herod and finding out from the chief priests and teachers that Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, the Magi set out for the five-mile trip south to Bethlehem. In Matthew 2, 9-11, we learn that Matthew appears to describe the star as moving and leading the Magi to Jesus. These Gentile wise men worship the king whom the star has led them to. For the rest of the week, I'll explore the nature of the strange star and what it could have been. This has been Probe with your host, Dr. Ray Bolin. There are many wondrous events surrounding Christ's birth, but the Bethlehem star continues to enthrall believers and skeptics alike. Get Ray's free transcript, The Star of Bethlehem, at probe.org. That's probe.org. And join us next time as we cast God's light into our dark world here on Probe. The Gospel of Matthew states that the star informed the Magi of the birth of the King of the Jews and led them to Bethlehem once they had arrived in Jerusalem. The star of Bethlehem has been the subject of scholarly discussion ever since the first centuries after Jesus' birth. This week, I will be investigating the more common explanations to see if we can come to some understanding as to just what the Magi saw 2,000 years ago. Matthew quotes the Magi telling Herod that they observed the new king star rising in the east. This can be interpreted as something never observed before. Some scholars believe that the star was a nova, a white dwarf star that literally explodes. The explosion may increase the brightness of the star up to a million times its previous brightness, making a previously invisible star visible. But nova don't last long. The initial blast of the explosion may only be observed for a few months, before the star shrinks to a remnant of its previous brightness and disappears altogether. There are numerous problems with this view. 
First, although there was a new star recorded by the Chinese in the constellation Capricorn in the spring of 5 BC, that lasted only 70 days. There is nothing to connect this event with the birth of a king in Israel. Second, Nova don't move. Perhaps the new star was a comet recorded by the Chinese in 5 BC also. The Chinese would not have distinguished a comet from a nova since all they recorded was something new in the sky that was temporary. But a comet moves. A comet can even disappear as it moves behind the sun and reappear as it comes out from behind the sun again. But the Chinese make no mention of the new star moving. Another problem is that comets are cyclical. Halley's Comet appears every 76 years. If the star of Bethlehem were a comet, we would most likely have observed it again and been able to extrapolate back to the time of Christ to see if there's a match. Only Halley's Comet comes close. It appeared in 12 BC, much too early. One could always claim that the comet was one with a long periodicity, or one that has since disappeared from our solar system. This is certainly possible, but it does not really help the discussion. One might as well appeal to a purely supernatural occurrence that cannot be verified scientifically. Tomorrow, I'll look at a planetary conjunction, the most popular suggestion at planetarium shows during the Christmas season. Earlier, I showed the unreasonableness of the star being a comet or a supernova explosion. Planetarium shows concerning the star of Bethlehem usually present the idea that the new star was a triple conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn in the year 7 BC, followed by a massing of Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars in 6 BC. Perhaps this was the star of Bethlehem. In the early 17th century, the great astronomer Johann Kepler calculated that a triple conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn had occurred in 7 BC. So what is a triple conjunction and why would it be significant? A planetary conjunction happens when two planets come near one another. A triple conjunction is when three separate conjunctions of the same two planets occur within a one-year period. Triple conjunctions can be predicted, but they do not occur with regularity. There have only been 11 such triple conjunctions since 7 BC. The triple conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in 7 BC was seen in the constellation Pisces in May, September, and December. This provides sufficient time for the Magi to see the first conjunction, begin their trip west to Judea, visit Herod by the second conjunction, or at least soon afterwards, and perhaps not reach Bethlehem until the third conjunction when it is said to have appeared in the southern sky, and Bethlehem is just south of Jerusalem. Remember how the Magi rejoiced to see the star again as they departed Jerusalem for Bethlehem. Ancient astrologers associated Jupiter with royalty. Saturn was associated with Palestine, and Pisces was associated with the nation of Israel. Later, a massing of Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars occurred in Pisces in 6 BC. It's feasible that this triple conjunction followed by the massing of the three planets in Pisces could indicate that to the Magi that a king of Israel was about to be born. This seems to wrap things up nicely, but there are significant problems. First, Jupiter and Saturn never were close enough to be confused as a single object. Matthew describes a singular star. Perhaps more importantly, the use of astrology is necessary to interpret these astronomical signs properly. The Old Testament particularly mocks astrologers in Isaiah 47, and in Jeremiah 10, astrologers' practices are meaningless. It seems inconsistent for the Lord to use astrology to herald the birth of His Son into the world. In this discussion, I have considered a nova, a comet, and a triple conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn as the star of Bethlehem between 7 and 4 BC. 
and none have seemed to be satisfactory. In 1991, Ernest Martin published a book titled The Star That Astonished the World. His major thesis is that Herod dies in 1 BC and not 4 BC. If 4 BC is the wrong date for Herod's death, then everything must be reevaluated. If we assume that Martin's date for the death of Herod is correct, then the years 3 and 2 BC can be added to the search parameters for the star of Bethlehem. Martin points out that the planet Jupiter passes through a series of conjunctions over the course of these two years, indicating that Jupiter is the star of Bethlehem. Remember that Jupiter is considered the royal star. Well, in 3 BC, Jupiter came into conjunction with Regulus, the star of kingship, the brightest star in the constellation of Leo, the first of several such conjunctions over the next year. Leo was the constellation of kings. So, the royal planet approached the royal star in the royal constellation representing Israel. In addition, on September 11th, 3 BC, Jupiter was not only very close to Regulus, but the sun was in the constellation Virgo. Hmm. The royal planet in conjunction with the royal star while the sun is in a virgin. That day is also the beginning of the Jewish New Year. But what about the star appearing to stop over Bethlehem? Planets actually appear to do just that in the nighttime sky as they reach the opposite point in the sky from the sun as they travel east across the sky. They will stop, reverse directions for a few weeks, stop again, and head east once again. It's called a retrograde loop. Jupiter performed a retrograde loop in 2 BC and was stationary on December 25th. Just in case you're ready to proclaim the mystery of the star solved, remember that this whole scenario rests on Herod dying in 1 BC rather than in 4 BC. Most biblical historians can't accept this critical revision. If Herod died in 4 BC, these coincidences are just that, coincidences. Also, the use of astrological meanings is contrary to the worldview of Matthew. There is another option that has become very popular. I'll discuss it tomorrow. So far, I have discussed several explanations for the star of Bethlehem, an exploding star, a comet, a triple conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn in 7 BC, and the planet Jupiter as it traveled in the constellation Leo in 3 and 2 BC. One of the major problems is that you need to use astrological meanings for these events and their locations in the night sky to reach the conclusion that a new king of the Jews has been born, something that is foreign to the biblical worldview. Perhaps there was a physical star that gave off real light, but indeed was new, but not reflected by an, any astronomical event. Remember that Jesus' birth was the ultimate coming of the presence of God amidst his people. How is God's presence manifested elsewhere in the Bible? Moses saw a burning bush that was not consumed, and God spoke to him from the bush. Again in Exodus, Moses could see God's backside, and afterwards his face shone with light so bright that the other Israelites could not look on his face. When Jesus was transfigured, he shone with a light as bright as the sun. When Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul was blinded by the light, which others with him saw as well. When God was imminently present, a bright light was associated with his presence. The Shekinah glory denotes the visible presence of God. This presence was real, and the physical manifestation was real. What better way to announce the coming of Jesus, God's Son, than by a special light that is an expression of God's divine presence among men? 
Astronomer Shun Kanegi and theologian Ben Boa reject the idea that any astrological meaning could have been on Matthew's mind concerning the star. It's certainly fair to wonder, therefore, what this star was, but how did the Magi interpret the star? And how did they know what the star meant? We can only assume there was selective revelation. Only Paul understood the voice from the light, though all who were with him saw the light. Only Moses was allowed up on Mount Sinai to receive the law. Only Peter, James, and John were present at the transfiguration. Perhaps the meaning of the star was only revealed to the Magi, though others could actually see the star. Well, what was it? An astronomical event or the Shekinah glory, manifesting God's presence among men? In my mind, the mystery remains. Perhaps that is how God intends it to be.